this is Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 272 of Dogcast Radio, the first episode of 2024. Later on, we'll have some great suggestions for how you can have fun with your dog. But before that, we're going to consider the rights and wrongs of some dog-themed AITA posts from the Reddit site. Now, I have tweaked some of the posts in terms of the language used, just in the interest of keeping them family-friendly, not to change the context or crux of the issue. So let's jump in with a question which combines two of the most contentious areas of life, dogs and children. So the question is, AITA for confining kids at a party and not dogs. As a sort of early Christmas party, I planned a large gathering for friends and family. A lot of us really love dogs, so I invited the pets as well. Since I've got a large area, we planned on having all the dogs off-leash so they can run around and play. A few people voiced concerns beforehand because they wanted to bring their young kids to the Christmas party, didn't want large dogs to be running around and wanted them all on leashes or not allowed. I told them, if they don't like it, they don't have to come. They said they don't want to leave their kid behind because it looks like a lot of fun and it's a rare chance for them to meet a bunch of friends and family in one place. Brackets, no one else is planning a gathering as large as this one. Close brackets. I reiterated that the party is primarily dog-friendly. It is not kid-friendly and there would be multiple dogs running around. They said they understood. They did not understand. They arrived and were unhappy. I had a bunch of Christmas decorations up, a few photo spots set up, a bunch of dog toys and balls, and custom and clearly labelled dog treats laid out as well. Their main complaint was that I confined the children and not the dogs. They feel it should have been the other way around. I had one small area that the dogs couldn't get into. They didn't like that multiple very energetic large dogs were running around with abandon and no attempt was made to stop them from running or put them on a leash, even after one kid was nearly knocked over. I told them to go and watch their kid in the one designed dog-free area if they didn't like that. They were unhappy because it separated them from the other adults and activities. They also didn't like that I didn't let them just dump their kid there and walk off. They had to stay and actually watch their kid. I also did not have anything in there that would entertain a kid. Other things they were unhappy about. I had super cute dog treats, think cupcakes, mini donuts, etc., all clearly labelled and nothing for the children. I had normal food for humans. They were upset I didn't have kid food, like dinosaur nuggets. A couple of kids threw tantrums when I wouldn't let them eat the dog treats. Apparently, that's my fault for having dog treats that look like desserts. They were upset I had dog toys, but not toys for children. They were upset I refused to tell everyone to leash their dogs so they could go over to a photo spot and take pictures of their kid. Now I'm being accused of being a bad person, since I didn't consider how Christmas is a kid's holiday or for families, since I'm more concerned about the dogs and adults having a good time than children having a good time. They insist that since it's Christmas, I have to have kid things going on. Dogs are family. AITA for planning a Christmas party for adults and dogs and making absolutely no attempt to make it kid friendly. Okay, so here are my thoughts on that. First of all, where was my invitation for this party? I want to go because it sounds fun and so well organised for the dogs. Well, in fact, I think it was well organised all round because this person was very clear about how they were setting things up, that dogs were the priority and that children would not be welcome or well catered for. 
It seems to me that the parents here were at fault for saying they understood the situation when, in fact, they really didn't. I suspect they thought that if they turned up with their kids, the party host would give in, confine the dogs and let the kids rule the day. Good for the host for sticking to their guns and maintaining the pooch priority party. Let's face it, there are not many times or places where our dogs are given priority, so it must have been a wonderful experience to have a festive gathering which made the dogs as welcome as their owners. I'm sure there were other times when the parents could indulge their children, and if they want a big gathering where the kids rule the roost, maybe they should throw one of their own. How would I have felt about this party when my child was small? Well, you know what? I would not have felt it was a suitable place for them, and I would have either arranged for them to be elsewhere, or we would have all stayed away. I wouldn't have turned up and complained when the circumstances had been so clearly explained to me. So my verdict on this one is that the party thrower was well within their rights. The next Reddit post we're going to consider is AITA for letting my sister's dog be a dog. My sister, brackets 30, got herself a dog for her birthday in October. He's a large shelter dog. Since she's single with no kids, she completely spoils this dog. I got nothing against it, but a dog is a dog. She constantly makes excuses that she can't do this or that or this because of the dog. For explain, we signed up for a painting class. The class was from 3pm to 6pm. She didn't stay for the full class. She had to get home to her dog. Anyway, last weekend, she needed to go out of town for work. Because it cost too much to board him for two days, she asked if I would watch him and she would pay me Monday. I said fine. The dog came with a long list of instructions, which I thought was very pretentious. No people food. Don't leave him outside. Plug in his heater for him at night. Two walks, an hour of play. Be sure a certain squeaky toy was in his kennel at night. The list went on. Again, this is a dog not a baby. I put the dog in my backyard and pretty much forgot about him. I made sure he had plenty of food and water, though. He mostly ran around, barked and dug a hole, which I didn't mind. I even tossed him a couple of bites of chicken, which he loved. My sister picked him up Monday. I called her Tuesday to ask about the money and she went off on me. Somehow, she found out I'd just left him out in the yard all weekend. Brackets, I don't know how, but I suspect a family friend told her close brackets. She said she wasn't paying me anything and I wasn't going to watch the dog ever again. She later sent me a copy of the vet bill because of fleas. Dogs get fleas. I am refusing to pay because her dog got to be a dog for a weekend. A ITA? Here's what I think about this. Oh my goodness, this horrible person would be facing medical bills for themselves if they treated my dog like this. Never mind vet's bills for the dog. However, the dog owner here is not going to escape my wrath either, because though she seems to love her dog, and clearly avoids leaving him home alone too long, she's very quick to scrimp on what you could call the dog's holiday care. Appointing a caretaker for your dog when you can't be with them is a huge responsibility, and you have to ensure you select someone you can trust. Surely the dog owner knows their sibling isn't in tune with their caring attitude towards their dog, so why on earth leave the dog with them? Also, if you have a list of requirements, and goodness knows I do, and I do write instructions for our dog's holiday care, and to be fair, we write instructions for our cat's holiday care too. But you can't spring these requirements on the caretaker at the last minute. They have to be discussed and agreed 
well in advance, but I am so outraged that the sibling didn't voice their misgivings or intentions with the dog owner and just shoved the dog into the garden, didn't supervise them or even seem to feed them properly. This isn't just disregarding the owner's hopes for the best practice. This is complete dereliction of duty. I mean, what was the weather like? Did the dog have shelter from heat, cold, rain? Was the garden secure enough to keep the dog safe from theft or maybe any local wildlife? Wow, you know, the more I think about this one, the angrier I get. The poor dog can't speak it for themselves or even report to their owner what happened to them. So I'm glad the family friend told on the sibling. I bet they were just as outraged as me and couldn't wait to tell on them. Except if they were so outraged, why didn't they step in and offer to take the dog? On this one, I am calling out all the humans as abysmal. They all let that poor dog down, and as far as I'm concerned, they can all go and sit on the naughty step and think about what they've done. Next up, we have AITA for not buying dog food. For years, my wife and I have had a system for grocery shopping in our home. Throughout the week, we compile a list, and then I usually get the groceries on the weekend. Not only does it keep us from making several grocery trips throughout the week, but it helps us stay within our budget. Today, I hit up three stores, Sam's Club, Walmart and Aldi. I came home and unpacked everything myself. Towards the end of the day, my wife hits me with, we're out of dog food. She asks me to run out and grab some. Thoroughly exhausted, I tell her that I can get some tomorrow. She says that we need some now, but she doesn't want to go out either. I suggest borrowing some from our neighbours, but she doesn't like their type of food. Again, I told her that I really don't want to go out to the store, seeing as I spent almost three hours today shopping. She flips out and storms off, asking aloud why it's such a big deal for me to go out and get one thing. It's looking like I'm sleeping alone tonight. For the record, I do 99% of our grocery shopping because going to all of those stores stresses her out. I personally think that the least she can do is go to one store and buy one item. A ITA? Here are my thoughts on this. And I think there's more going on here than dog food or even shopping lists. Do you think the couple here have some really quite fundamental issues? I don't think it would be the first time they sleep separately. And I wonder which one of them the dog chooses to sleep with. They mention they've been married for years and you'd think by now they'd know their respective skills, likes and dislikes and basically where the lines are drawn. I have to say that I think the wife, and I'm not sure if we're talking about a wife and husband or two wives here, but the wife who doesn't do the shopping is not being fair to the partner who does the shopping. If one of you doesn't like braving the supermarkets and the other one steps up to the task, the least you can do is to make sure you get all the shopping requirements to them in good time. I can imagine the frustration of having battled around the shops, packed everything into bags, stashing it in the car, driving it home, carrying it into the house, unpacking it and putting it all away, only to be told I need to go out to the shops again. I wouldn't be happy. So clearly there are problems here more in need of a couple's counsellor than a dog trainer. But to focus back on the dog, the fact is that poor dog needs to eat that night. Fair enough, the neighbours might not have what the wife thinks is an acceptable brand of food, but somebody needs to put aside their concerns get out there and forage for some dog food. And sadly, the dog can't do it themselves. So I'd say, look, you're both being silly. Stop it and don't start arguing again until your dog's got a full stomach. And sticking with the food theme, AITA for questioning why a dog was brought indoors to a non-dog friendly restaurant. I, brackets 29F, 
was waiting in line at a fast casual restaurant, waiting to order some food. Think something similar to Panera. The lady in line behind me brought in their golden retriever. There were probably four other customers ahead of me. There is no patio at the restaurant and clear signage on the door, service dogs only, no pets. I know this wasn't a service dog because it started sniffing everything around it, including me, and the owner didn't try to say it was. I pulled out my earbuds and asked if she missed the sign that said no pets. She tells me she isn't eating here and planned to be in and out. I told her that didn't matter. This place doesn't allow pets and I told her she should leave. She responds that she didn't think it would bother anyone. I tell her it's disgusting to have her dog in the restaurant and it's bothering me. Right then, another customer gets in line behind us and starts praising the dog and petting it. The dog owner makes a comment to me, see, people like him. I respond back with, so, if you want to show off your dog, find somewhere else to do it. A restaurant that the dog is not allowed in is not the time or place. I ended it with a get the flip out, like seriously, you are being rude. She left. The customer that came in after seemed kind of shell-shocked and defended the dog owner by saying the dog wasn't doing anything to you. I ignored her. A-I-T-A? In my opinion, yes, the poster here is being unreasonable. Not because they asked the dog owner to leave, but because of the rude way they did it. There's no need for them to be rude or use bad language. Now, should the dog be in the restaurant? Well, clearly no, but, and I warn you now, this is a hobby horse of mine, but it's too late to save yourself now because I've got that hobby horse saddled up and ready to go for a gallop, so here we go. There's no reason for a dog not to be in a restaurant. In the UK, the law is that dogs should not enter a place of food preparation, but if the food is just being eaten, dogs are allowed. And I am so sick and tired of places telling me that dogs aren't allowed because of the law. When I ask, oh yes, which law? They can't tell me which law. And of course, that's because there is no such law, only the one that covers food preparation areas. I have no problem with restaurants deciding they won't allow dogs. Well, no, really, I do have a problem with that, but they are within their rights to ban all but assistance dogs. But if they want to do that, at least stand up and be counted and tell me they have decided not to allow my dog. You know, they have decided not to allow my dog. Don't try and hide behind some non-existent law. Now, I gather in the USA, regulations can vary from state to state, but normally dogs are only allowed in outdoor areas. Well, you know, whatever, I suppose many states have better weather than we do in Britain, so they can easily stay outside. But I like the European attitude of dogs being allowed and included. There, that's my two pennyworth. What were we talking about? Oh yes, the rude lady in a shop, rudely being rude to the dog owner. Well, I guess to be fair, the dog owner was being rude, albeit in a quieter way, just taking their dog into a shop which is not dog-friendly. So, yet again, the humans in this situation are behaving worse than the dogs. Do you ever get the feeling our dogs might just be standing there watching us, wondering what on earth we're doing, shaking their heads and rolling their eyes at each other? Anyway, I think, basically, don't be rude to people who try to bring their dog into somewhere they shouldn't be, but also, don't try and take your dog into somewhere they shouldn't be. And also, restaurants and shops don't try to hide behind the law when the law doesn't exist. Let's all just be kinder. Be more dog. Next up, quite a short question, but quite a complicated one, I think. A-I-T-A for calling animal control on my neighbour's dog. I, 30F, live in a suburban neighbourhood and my next door neighbour, 40s M, has a dog that often wanders into my yard to do its business. 
I've tried talking to my neighbour about it, but it hasn't really improved the situation. Recently, after yet another unwelcome visit from the dog, I decided to call Animal Control to report the issue. I was frustrated and tired of finding surprises in my yard, and I thought it might be the only way to get my neighbour's attention. To my surprise, Animal Control actually issued a citation for this. He found out that I was the one who made the call, and he's absolutely furious that he's out $400. He claims I overreacted and should have given him more time to address the problem himself. Edited to add, To respond to some additional requests for info, the yard is fenced off. The dog has dug an opening and crawls under it. I've brought this to his attention twice over the last week. Edited to add, Two, in addition to the fine, Animal Control also told him that if this happens again, they're taking the dog. A-I-T-A? Ugh, so many thoughts and questions on this one. Not the least. What on earth? I mean, what on actual earth are animal control doing letting the dog owner know who complained? Is that procedure? It seems very silly if it is, because I can imagine many people being put off complaining if they don't like confrontation. Now, I quite like a bit of confrontation. To be honest, a good confrontation is my main form of exercise these days. It's like one of my hobbies, you know, but I know some people don't like it. So surely the identity of whoever has complained should be kept confidential. That said, what is this dog owner playing at? Does he not know the dangers which can befall a dog who escapes from their garden, not the least of which is being taken away from animal control? And what happens if animal control do take the dog away? Can the owner pay and get them back? Does the dog end up in rescue? If so, is it a no-kill rescue? See, it escalates pretty quickly, doesn't it? And it always is the dog who has to bear the consequences. Now, you might think the neighbour bringing in animal control is overreacting, but if they do nothing, the dog could end up getting into the road and being hit by a dog. And even if the dog remains safe, can you imagine the inconvenience of having someone else's dog poo in your garden? We had this happen when the dogs who used to live in our house still lived in the area and were actually walked past our house daily. And if we left the gate open, the dogs would recognise their old territory, wander in and leave us a little surprise. Had they been my dogs wandering into someone else's garden, I would have scooped the poop. Well, to be clear, I wouldn't have let them trespass, but you know what I mean. So for a while we had to close the gates, which was inconvenient because there were large gates that we drove through several times a day. And having to open and close them each time was a bit of a chore, but it was less of a chore than picking up after large dogs, which weren't mine. So I actually don't blame this person for complaining. And I think the dog owner here is falling well short of responsible ownership. I just hope the dog is ultimately okay. The last question we're going to think about today is... A-I-T-A, for not letting a service dog into my party. I, 29M, hosted a pumpkin carving party for my friends and I this past weekend, and a decision I made is causing drama amongst us. The party was indoors, as it's still nearly a hundred during the day where I'm at. I dislike cats and dogs, any and all. My friends know this. Primarily, I think they're filthy. I want nothing to do with them because of that. A buddy and his current fling early relationship girlfriend, however you want to define it, showed up. She has a golden retriever with her. I did not know this dog was coming. No one ran this by me. I would have said no. I pulled him aside and told him the dog had to go. He says, 
If the dog has to go, she has to go, and then I have to go. I just say, come on, man, you should know better than to bring a dog to my house. He said, it's a service animal, apparently for diabetes. He thought it would be different. I said, no, it might medically help her, but it's still a flipping animal. He starts arguing, but I maintain my stance. I offered to keep it in the garage with the AC on. He goes and talks to his girl and she looks annoyed. I felt bad about that. They opt to leave. He lets me know I'm a rotter. My friends were all split on how I handle it. AITA? Are you kidding me? Are you actually kidding me? This pumpkin carver... Oh, that's not an insult, by the way. He's throwing a pumpkin carving party, remember? Anyway, so this pumpkin carver wants his friend's girlfriend to compromise her health because he has some ridiculous notion of dogs, and let's not forget cats too, being filthy. Ah, where to start? You can tell so much about this guy's attitude from the way he describes and belittles things, can't you? He's so dismissive and clearly he's very vocal because he acknowledged all his friends are fully aware of his views. Do you think there are many people at this party anyway? Do you think many people want to spend time with him? Maybe it's just him and a few pumpkins. Maybe he's carving imaginary friends out of the pumpkins for himself. Okay, look, legally, Public places have to allow access to assistance dogs. But do private places? Is it illegal not to let an assistance dog into your house? Well, members of the jury, isn't it illegal to discriminate on the grounds of disability? So if this guy won't let her dog in, isn't he discriminating against this woman on the grounds of her disability? I don't know, but I know that's what I'd be telling him loudly and confidently, however ill-founded that confidence was. At least in this situation, the dog owner stood by their dog and left with the dog and the boyfriend stood by them and they all left together. Yay! So let's leave it there in the knowledge that although most of the people we've been dealing with today have behaved badly, the dogs have been lovely. You can find the links to all the stories included today on the Dogcast Radio site, dogcastradio.com. And if you spot a dog story you'd like me to include, send it to me and I'll opine all over it. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. There's no bad time to start having fun with your dog, but I thought with it being a new year and many of us already struggling with keeping up our New Year's resolutions, it might be a good time to think about ways you can make life more fun for your dog, and that might well be a resolution that's easier to stick to than some of the pledges we usually make. I have some ideas of my own about having more fun with your dog. And the simplest of all, I think, is to take more time over the dog walk. Too often, it can feel like a chore we have to fit into an already busy day, something to get done and out of the way. But to our dog, it's an exciting highlight of his day. So as many times as we can, let's slow down and let Fido relish his time out and about. Just letting your dog have a good sniff not only stimulates their brain and releases dopamine, a neuromodulatory molecule, or in layman's terms, a happy hormone, firing up their olfactory system actually tires them out more than only physical activity without overstimulating them. Crikey, it's a complicated business adequately exercising a dog, isn't it? Thankfully, there are lots of ways to offer stimulation though. And when I asked for suggestions, lots of you shared how you and your dogs have fun. On Facebook, M said, Arguably one of the daftest things is that my dog helps us tear up any cardboard so it fits in the recycling bags. 
She prefers really crunchy corrugated cardboard. Oh, sweet. On a similar note, Helen said her dog enjoys tearing wrapping paper into the smallest possible pieces. Our dog Mischief adores playing with wrapping paper too. Deb Bauer, holistic dog trainer and animal wellness practitioner at yourinnerdog.com said, My dogs and I love trick training and canine freestyle. We also love to play a variety of games. On a similar note, Joe Nutkins of dogtrainingessexsuffolk.co.uk was a mine of useful suggestions. Tricks training, hoopers training, playing with different types of toys on each dog's preferred style, going out to dog fields to use different equipment at each one, going to the beach, canine parkour, which is using things in the environment to create activities, and interactive puzzles and blankets. She puts out several at once and encourages the dogs to find everything hidden. That sounds so much fun, doesn't it? Liz Hennel sets up a treasure hunt in the garden and conceals treats up high, down low, behind things, etc. And her dogs love it. Dawn Chapman of Little Tyke's Dog Hub said, letting him choose his own treats at the pet store or visiting B&Q. He loves it in there when it's too wet to go outside. I'd like to say that when the weather isn't suitable for outdoor exercise, a dog-friendly garden centre can be a wonderful alternative and a great place for your dog to meet people and have a really interesting sniff around. Wendy Hilling, author of My Life in His Paws, which is about her wonderful assistant's dog Teddy, said, A hundred things to do with a stool. Stand on it, knock it over, put toys in it, put a toy on it and knock it off, put a paw on it, bow, etc. I like that because it really gives the dog a chance to get creative. Karen Law, who runs the Deaf Dog Network, said, A fun thing my pup and I do together is free shaping. He offers so many funny things. Sometimes it's a two-way game. Presently, chasing leaves is great fun too. If I'm having a dance around the lounge, then the pup and one of my older dogs always gets up to join in. Sometimes the other older dog joins in a bit too. My smallest dog thinks it's funny if I pretend to give him a slow-mo punch in the face. In fact, he demands the game most days. Two of them like tearing up cardboard, but the pup really loves it. I spend time with each of them individually a few times a week with some tea touch and free work. The older two seem to appreciate the tea touch. All three do fun scent work for food and scents. On Twitter, Driving With Dogs said, Normally with a fab walkie somewhere new, but in this wet weather, we're doing extra agility sessions and trick training. One thing I really liked about a lot of the suggestions is how little they cost. Just some imagination and time. And saying that, I make lots of puzzle toys for mischief using cardboard boxes and paper bags. One she really loves is paper bags which have been used as packaging for food. We're talking McDonald's and Greg's mainly here because I eat so healthily, obviously. I make sure there's no food residue in them that she shouldn't have, like onion. And then I pop treats in the paper bag, fold the bag up and pop it inside another one, add more treats, fold it up again and so on. And then I put them all in a box, like a Happy Meal box. And she has a great time ripping the lot apart and nosing out the treats. And I get the enrichment of clearing up all the mess afterwards. Well, that's all the fun we have time for. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dog cast radio that's all one word dog cast radio 
by email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. What makes more noise than a dog barking? Two dogs barking.